Daily Tap is live for Thursday. We are talking the haters' guide to the Packers by week. We are also chatting about Phil Longo going to Wisconsin as the offensive coordinator, what that might mean for the Badgers. Then we will discuss the Bucks Kings. We'll do a little Golden Kegs and then Chuck's Corner on consecutive days eating the same food. We'll get into that and so much more. Before you get going, just a reminder, follow us along on social media, tap in the keg on Twitter, tap in the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok, uh, Facebook as well. Facebook's been popping off a little bit uh, recently, so that's cool that the algorithm has started to show our shit again, which is uh, welcomed. I appreciate that from the Zuckerberg. Uh, also, uh, if you are on social and you're giving our podcast a spin, uh, we are on Apple, we are on Spotify, and we are on wherever else you get your podcasts. We should be there if we're not. Reach out, let me know, we'll hook it up. Uh, make sure that you're subscribed and also leave a review. Uh, I, as I said, the reviews have been so slow. Uh, could use a couple more reviews, that'd be great. Um, that'd be an awesome Christmas gift to me, even if they're not five stars, okay? So if you have some problems to show, you're like, talks too much about the Packers, uh, doesn't talk enough about the Bucks, whatever. Uh, I appreciate that and actually we would use that feedback. Honest to God, if you leave a review and you're not at a five star and you're not as happy, I wanna know. Um, so that would be, that's definitely helpful for us. And we, we figured that out. So last one for me today, this week, and then Mitch and I tomorrow, another Tapping the Keg Friday for the people. All right, let's waste no more time. Let's talk about the Haters Guide to the Packers bye week. It is the bye week. The bye week is here. Uh, I had said about a month ago when Packers were still kind of struggling, right? Uh, they, they had beat the Cowboys but they had lost to the Titans in the same week, and then we had off that Sunday. And it was really refreshing to not have football on Sunday because Packers really couldn't disappoint you. They really couldn't let you down. And it was just this breath of fresh air almost. It's like, okay, we don't have Packer football to watch. And it was it was kind of nice, right? We You're able to watch the NFL. You're able to enjoy it. And it happened to be that... Justin Fields loses um, and the Vikings lose. And there was a couple things that broke the Packers' way with their slim chance to make the playoffs. And so now, basically, we are in week 14. There's still a chance that the Packers could make the playoffs. It's very slim, right? It's it's hanging out in the corner. It's like, you know, some fat guy has having a chance with an IG model. That's the kind of chance that the Packers have to make the playoffs. But it still exists. It still lives there. So it's it's there, you know. Sometimes you can do magical things. I've watched I've watched guys spin it at bars, and all of a sudden they're going home with a girl that you didn't expect them to, and you're like, "How did this happen?" And that's just the nature of the game, the nature of the beast. So that's the Green Bay Packers right now. So we need a lot of bricks. We need a lot of good shit to happen. A lot of good things to come our way, and that. It's kind of what we're doing today with the haters guide to the bye week is how do we cheer as fans? What do we watch for? What do we hope for in terms of games and how can things break our way so that we have an awesome bye week? It's an it's bye weeks are always good. I, I will never deny that a bye week isn't good. I know early buys, people could say, well, that's a bad, you know, it's bad and that, that can not work for our team. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about that. It's a little preview for our Tabbing the Keg uh, program tomorrow. Uh, but we are, you know, it's one of those things where I think 
bye weeks can always sort of revive a team and it's the final stretch. And now you kind of see where everybody is. Everybody gets healthy. Um, I don't know if you'll have back, Bakhtiari back um, next week against against uh, the Rams, but you should have everyone else ready to roll and that, that should be exciting, including Romeo Dobbs. So you get a couple games with Aaron Rodgers, Romeo Dobbs, and Christian Watson, which should be a ton of fun. But yes, the bye week and the haters guide does not begin tonight. Uh, Raiders, Rams, we have no real stake in that game, right? The Rams are dead. Rams are, have been, I think, eliminated from the playoffs. If they haven't, I think today's loss, they would be eliminated from the playoffs. But I don't think any of us will really care about what happens tonight in the Raiders and Rams. And we're not going to go game to game, by the way. We're, uh, well, we won't do that. I, I promise. They're, the AFC games, obviously, we are not going to. We're not going to cover uh, the NFC games. Obviously, that will be a focus for us. So, first one that's on the radar is Vikings and Lions. Now, I know what you would say. We're going to cheer for cheer against the Vikings, right? No. The Lions are five and seven. The Lions are coming on strong. The Lions are actually favored in this game. It is two and a half to Detroit. The five and seven Lions are favored by two and a half. You almost have to take that because that is so wonky and weird that it almost is setting up for the Lions to win. The Lions have played well against Minnesota. The Lions should have beat the Vikings earlier this year if Dan Campbell wasn't a pussy. Like, there, there's a lot there where the Lions should have won that game. And if the Lions win, they are 6-7. and seven, And they are ahead of the Green Bay Packers by a full game. Now, if they lose, they have the same record as the Packers and the Lions have the tiebreaker. Now, before we get excited about could the Lions make the playoffs, they do have the Jets and Carolina both on the road the next two weeks. Those are not easy games. Um, those are definitely challenging. Jared Goff is definitely not a cold-weather quarterback, and we'll have to deal with it in New York. Occasionally, Carolina can be nasty. You could have rain. You could have just colder temperatures than usual. And so that could affect Goff a little bit here. So I'm not exactly, I would say, worried by the Lions, you know, competing with the Packers, but there is a world, there is a universe where it's Packers Lions for a playoff spot in the final week of the season on Sunday Night Football in Lambeau Field. There, they just so everyone's aware, like that's that's a reality that exists. Again, it's a long shot. It's like me getting invited to like Rouse in New York kind of long shot. Uh, if you're unfamiliar, it's like a exclusive restaurant. I saw a picture of like Justin Thomas. Eric Church, Morgan Wallen, and who was the other guy? Eli Manning. And I was like, I was like, wow, that's a weird fucking group. And I was I was ready to shit out in a group chat. And then I looked up this restaurant. And it's like invite only, this awesome Italian restaurant. I'm like, fuck, well, I'm never getting invited to that. So those guys are, you know, like, okay, I get it. I get why there's the miss mosh of dudes. But anyways, yes, we want the Vikings to win this football game. Uh, I don't usually cheer for the Vikings, but this is an exception. That will be a the Fox game for us. Uh, if you do not get the NFL ticket or you don't get red zone, Vikings-Lions will be our Sunday uh, Fox game uh, with Kenny Albert and Jonathan Vilma on the call. Eagles-Giants, bird gang, baby. You cheer for the Eagles. Um, they are a seven-point favorite on the road in New York. 
Uh, that's a quite a spread for a divisional game. Uh, but I, I, you have to be all on the Eagles bandwagon this week and hope that the Eagles can keep it rolling. Um, the Giants are obviously going to want to send a message. It's their second straight divisional game. Could wonder if that's going to fatigue the Giants. Also, they played five quarters last week, right? And the Eagles were on easy straight. So it is setting up that the Eagles should be successful in this football game. Uh, but the Giants, you know, have been known to keep it close. And this is the role that the Giants played well all season. But yes, the Giants could lose. Then they're at 7-5-1, which would be the same record as the Commanders, setting up the Commanders-Giants battle next week and the third straight divisional game for the Giants, which is a lot. And I just see a potential, like, careen for, for New York after this. I, I was kind of waiting for it. I thought Washington would be the start of it. I would have really liked this to be a 7-5 and five Giants team than 7-4-1, but it is what it is. You, you can't necessarily control it. Then we move on to the afternoon slate. It is a light slate. A lot of teams on by, which is crazy for week 14. I think the NFL got that wrong. That's here nor there. The Buccaneers against the San Francisco 49ers. And as you had to cheer for the Vikings in the early game, you have to cheer for Tom Brady in this game. I would have said before last week's injury, I would have said the Buccaneers have no shot in hell to beat this 49ers defense. I still worry a little bit. It's going to be a really ugly, ugly football game. The over-under is 37. I think that reflects it. But, you know, can Brock Purdy make some mistakes? Can the Buccaneers defense force Brock Purdy into some mistakes and then Tampa Bay takes advantage of it? Because there's a world where if San Francisco were to lose out, they're eight and nine, and the Packers do have a tiebreaker over the 49ers. So even if San Francisco were to finish off the season one and four, the Packers would get in over the 49ers. So that is an angle to watch. I think we need to see what the 49ers look like in this game. Um, with the playoff simulator, what we do every Tuesday, I kind of mentioned how I dinged the 49ers for a couple Brock Purdy losses, but I didn't exactly be like, oh my God, this team is completely lost. Um, and that's really defense focused, right? Because their defense is so good that I don't worry too much about it. And we'll see, maybe I'm wrong. Um, and we'll obviously do a, a full recap on Monday, uh, talking through this a little bit more. But yeah, I I look at this and, and this could be an area of opportunity for Green Bay. Uh, with the Buccaneers winning that game, that would at least knock the 49ers down and maybe set some panic. The other 325 game is equally important. Actually, I could argue it's even more important with the Panthers and the Seahawks. The Seahawks are a three and a half point favorite. The Seahawks did win their first game in the last three, the last four, excuse me, uh, beating the Rams, but it was close. It was uh, it was a game that went back and forth, and the Seahawks needed a last second drive to win that game. And if they had they not, they'd have been six and six. And then you'd start to wonder if the Seahawks were kind of sliding down. This is a potential look at spot because I believe it's Seahawks 49ers is our Thursday night game next week, which is a little bummer that this that's not as meaningful of a game with uh, Jimmy G not playing. But if the 49ers were to lose, both teams would be then eight and five if the Seahawks win the game. But we hope the Panthers win because the Panthers win. I realize there is an outside shot that Carolina could get in at nine and eight. I don't know the tiebreakers don't ask me, but we need the Seahawks to keep losing losing football games. So if the Seahawks lose this game, then that you know leads the door to now you're seven and six. You have a 49ers team that is very good defensively, and the Seahawks all of a sudden could be seven and seven 
Uh, and then ba basically by the end of next week, which would be huge for Green Bay. So, yes, uh, you cheer for the Panthers in this game, and you hope that Carolina can figure something out on the road. They've not been good on the road. 0-5. Uh, the weather looks okay. I was a little worried that it would be nasty weather and it would play to the Seahawks' advantage. I think the fact that the Seahawks do not have a running back right now, like they're so banged up, no Kenneth Walker. DJ Dallas is banged up. Uh, they might have to go with Travis Homer this week. So I, I wonder if that's going to affect them. And you put a lot of reliance on Geno Smith. Uh, it just seems, seems like a lot. Maybe the Panthers can pull it out. And then on Monday night, uh, not as significant, but just kind of want to see him dead and buried as the Patriots versus the Cardinals. Cardinals are 4-8. Uh, obviously, if tiebreakers and things like that, the Cardinals go on a run, which is not expected. I don't think any of us see, see that possibly happening. But the Cardinals do have the same record as the Packers. It'd be nice to put the Cardinals into the ground next week or this week and the Patriots do that. I, I'm a little worried if New England can pull that off. Uh, just because they've been bad against mobile quarterbacks this year. Uh, they've really struggled in that facet. But I do wonder if this is sort of a, hey, we're still the Patriots kind of game after just the debacle against the Bills. Okay, I was right. I, I didn't. I fact-checked myself because I didn't know if we did get Seahawks 49ers on Thursday. We do. We have, we have a ton of football next week. Next week's slate is great. Uh, that, in fact, we have sat, some Saturday games. It's a ton of fun. Uh, I love that. Uh, I love Saturday, Saturday football, which we'll get the next two weeks. One of it just because of Christmas Eve. But yes, there's the, the bye week. So to recap, so you guys are all prepared. You guys are all ready for Sunday. Here's basically the best case scenario for us. The Vikings win. The Eagles win. The Buccaneers win. The Panthers win. And the Patriots win. One disadvantage that we have going for us is that they are all on the road. So it's probably hard to expect all of those things to happen. I think if we can get three, like I don't care which three, I'd probably prefer the, the Vikings, Eagles, and Panthers. But if we were to get three out of, out of five, right? If we get three out of five, I think that's that we can call a good week, right? If we get more than that, awesome. House money, it's great. If we don't get as many, then that's that can kind of be seen as a shitty bye week. We'll see what happens on Sunday. Wisconsin Badgers surprised the, the football world by hiring Phil Longo uh, from North Carolina to be their offensive coordinator. And no one really saw this coming. Uh, Phil Longo is probably the anti-Badger, if you will, uh, with the way he runs his system. Uh, he is an air raid guy. He runs a lot of 11 personnel. North Carolina ran the fourth most in all of college football last year. And the Badgers ran 119th in 11 personnel. And for those who are unfamiliar with 11 personnel, that means three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back. And so it is a complete shift from what the Badgers have done for years and years and years. And this is not your older brother's Badgers. This is not your father's Badgers. This is a brand new Badgers team. Now, I think this is going to be a lot of fun, right? I think Phil Longo is going to attract quarterbacks to Wisconsin. I like Miles Burkett. I think Miles Burkett is a good player. I mean, Miles Burkett was the Gatorade uh, Wisconsin Player of the Year. I think there is a future for Miles Burkett, and I hope that even if 
the Badgers were to bring in another quarterback, I hope Burkett would want to stay and learn from Phil Longo because I, I think that would be beneficial for him. Uh, but I obviously understand it, right? Transfer portal is weird this way where they bring in a guy and they're like, okay, this guy is going to be the next Wisconsin quarterback. And then the other quarterback's like, fuck this, I'm out, right? So I, I kind of hope that everybody holds their water, um, but we'll have to see. But yes, Longo's going to bring in guys and they're going to bring in a system. And you just wonder how much upheaval you'll have in the Badgers game because Longo's approach is a vertical passing attack with a power running game. They have that first part, right? Or second part, excuse me. I mean, they have the power running game with Braylon Allen. And I'm sure Longo and Allen and everybody else will work together to be like, here's what you can do. I will actually be curious to see if they bring this out, out in the game against the Oklahoma State Cowboys in a couple weeks at Guarantee Ray Field. The Cowboys are looking really rough. They've had a ton of guys going since Transporto. They are going to be a skin and bones team when they play the Badgers in a few weeks. But I do wonder, are we going to start seeing some of these Air Raid Badger sort of sets? And will it look a lot different than what we've watched for the last, gosh, 20 to 30 years? It'll, it will be, I, I'm fascinated by how this develops. And I, but I do think like the Badgers have the skill, the skills, talent to get there, right? Not really sure about tight ends. I think that would be a great thing for them to look into the portal. Isaac Rendo uh, leaving is a bummer. I think this would have the system actually plays to his strengths. I think he would have been pretty good in this system. Uh, so, but I, I understand it, right? Yeah, you're behind Braylon Allen. Ches Malusi's coming back for another year. I get Rendo wanting to go to the portal, especially after seeing Nikita Watson dominate for Washington State. It was really integral part to what Washington State did and kind of their turnaround the season, Nikita Watson was a huge component of that. So I think Garendo looks at that and is like, can I basically be Nikita this year? Which I, I think he probably can. Like, I think he's extremely talented and he's a really good player. And it was a, it's going to be a loss. And I do think Wisconsin needs to fill that role as well. But yeah, in terms of receivers, like Chimery DK, Skylar Bell, I think can easily you know, be part of that vertical passing game. Now, Longo obviously will take in his roster and what he has and, you know, how can he be, how can they be successful and elevate to another level? I think tight end is a spot that they need to fill. I do imagine that they would try to look at more wide receivers than just DK and Bell. I mean, I, Contez Lewis is a sophomore as well. So you'll have, you know, him for another year. So I, I think that's all, that's all good stuff, right? That's all things that you can look at and say, all right, you're, you have some receivers. I do wonder if some will, you know, transfer because they're like, okay, this, this is not how I'm going to be successful. I'm not a vertical receiver. They're going to bring guys in. And similarly to the Burkick example, you know, will they, will they kind of move on? And will they do something differently? I don't think this will deter Braylon Allen. I really don't. I don't think this is going to disrupt Braylon Allen, uh, Braylon Allen, you know, there were rumors that he was going to go to the portal. Braylon Allen has committed himself to being a Wisconsin Badger. You also had, I mean, Badger fans for maybe an hour were fired up that Drake May could potentially be a Badger, um, but Drake May said he is staying at North Carolina, so he is not going anywhere. And, and you know, I get it, right? He, I guess he has a lot of ties to that North Carolina program, um, so I think it would have been surprising for Drake May to actually leave 
uh, North Carolina. Um, and I think everyone just assumed that North Carolina was a stepping stone, which I think is kind of the one thing we need to work on in this whole, whole thing is that, yes, there are the next level, right? It's like the, I wouldn't say it's like a small market, mid big market thing in baseball, but it's kind of getting close with baseball. Um, some of these contracts, man, are fucking, the Bogarts thing is just absolutely absurd. Uh, but and but remember, San Diego's a small market team. Just, just remember that, San Diego, small market. Yeah, get, get fucked. Um, anyways, back to, <laughs> back to football. I do, I do think that there's this misconception that, oh yeah, so because so-and-so leaves, that immediately means they're going to leave. And it's like, no, nah, it's not always how it works. So you did have some, I think there was a Cincinnati receiver, pretty talented one that went to the portal um, yesterday or the day out, day before. So I do wonder if he joins Luke Fickle. Um, I think you'd obviously keep an eye out for North Carolina receivers. I think you'd keep an eye out for other ACC receivers who are familiar with the North Carolina offense and what North Carolina want, wanted to do offensively this year. Um, you know, and I, I think the last part about Longo and why you know you should be excited is North Carolina's offense was incredible this year. I mean, yes, they did have a guy who's going to be a top ten pick in the twenty twenty four draft, sure, but at the same time, I, I do think that they, you know, Longo was kind of the, the reason why. They put up a ton of points. They could have easily, you know, been in the conversation for the playoff if their defense was like a, a touch better. Like that's the crazy thing. And that's the thing I think for Carolina fans that would piss you off is those Georgia Tech and NC State games, you win those games all of a sudden, like you have to at least acknowledge it. And I realize that it didn't look as good down the stretch, and that could be maybe a little bit of a concern. But I, I think there's a relationship there with Longo and Fickle, and he, they know what they want to do. And it's an interesting turn for Fickle, and I, I almost wonder, is he trying to compete with Ohio State? That would be my last part about this. It, is the reason why Phil Longo is here is because Fickle knows Ohio State is the best team in, in college football. Fickle knows that Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten, right? Um, you could argue Michigan, sure. But, I mean, year in, year out, it's Ohio State. And I don't think we're there yet with Michigan. We've had two years to say, all right, yeah, Michigan's been awesome. we got to see it, I think, for three or four before we're like, okay, yeah, that is what wins in the Big Ten. But you have USC coming to town. USC runs a similar system. Lincoln Riley, uh, UCLA, it's more run focused, but they do do a lot of spread concepts and Chip Kelly who's invented a lot of this shit, right? So those are some of the top teams and they're coming in next year. So getting a guy like Longo early, a year, year ahead, sort of prepares yourself for not only Ohio State, but some of the guys that are coming in and lets you compete and puts you on that same level. And you can pitch to recru offensive recruits who might want to go to Ohio State, like really like five stars, four star guys and say, look, it's, uh, it's unlikely you're going to play. You're going to enter the portal anyways here in two years at Ohio State. Why don't you go to Wisconsin where you're going to have more of an opportunity to play? Uh, we have Ross. We're trying to kind of rebuild this offense, make this offense into what we think it can be from an air raid perspective. You're going to have a similar system. You're going to have a similar experience, but you're probably going to play more and you're going to get more of an opportunity here than you will at, in Columbus. I think that is an interesting angle to look at. I think also too, try, it's, the same, it's the same conversation with kids in California who might want to go to USC or UCLA, right? 
So I, I, I really like the idea. I really like the approach. I'm curious if it's going to work. Um, I, I just, I wouldn't say I have hesitation. I just, it's, it's such a change. It's so drastic. It's like, are they going to be able to do this year one? Or is it going to be year two or year three before we really see it? And will everybody have the patience to let that happen? Um, I know that there are going to be a lot of North, Northern Wisconsin folks that are like, oh, you know, I, I just miss running the football. I just want to see us go between the tackles. Gosh, you know, like where, what happened to the fullback? Uh, where, where is that, right? It's going to be a lot of that bullshit. Um, maybe we'll create a guide to spread offenses for your father uh, because I'm sure you'll have to have those conversations with your dad. Your dad will be like, what the fuck is this? And you're going to be like, well, it's how offenses run in 2023, man. So get used to it. Uh, it's the the uh, Malcolm in the middle mean. The future is now, old man. Uh, that's what you just probably said to your dad, um, which I don't think he would probably appreciate. But I don't know. Some dads appreciate memes. My dad, big meme guy. Uh, he, he loves... He loves his memes, uh, but yeah, it's a it's an interesting hire. Uh, you have Mike Tressel now uh, leading the defense. It's assumed that he's going to be the defensive coordinator. I don't know if they've filled that special teams role, uh, but Luke Fickle building a staff, and this is definitely a different different Wisconsin approach. And you have to you have to be fired up. You have to at least embrace it. I think it's not something that. And we'll talk more about this, obviously, next fall. But it's not going to be something that immediately makes sense, right? It's not going to be this awesome offense that is humming on all cylinders the first four weeks of the year. I think it helps the Badgers get an early buy um, because you'll be like, all right, it's four weeks. We get done. We'll see where we're at. And then, you know, the rest of the season, we'll We'll try to pump it out and see if see if it gets better. And I think that I think that's nice for Wisconsin. And I think it helps too that they're not necessarily playing, you know, the, a really difficult Big Ten schedule early on. And I think the last thought on this is, if you recall, uh, we did a podcast. God, I can't remember when, but we did it middle of the year, middle of the college football year, and I basically laid out how. The Badgers needed to kind of update themselves because they were, you know, you looked at teams like Northwestern, Iowa, Stanford, Wisconsin, and you were like, okay, this, you are not playing the football that is what, what's working in 2023. And while you don't necessarily need to go to the spread concepts, which they are, um, but you, if you like do something like what you see at Coastal Carolina, now at Liberty with Jamie Chadwell taking that job, but like you see what they're running where it's a run focused, like spread them out, almost wing T-ash. Like you can do, you can still have run focused concepts, but you need to kind of update from this power smash mouth football because smash mouth football is at least dead for now. And the Badgers took that message to heart by hiring Longo and we'll now see if they can put it to work with a star running back, a guy who could easily be a Heisman candidate next year, and who knows at the quarterback position. Before we touch on the Bucs, uh, just real quick, that Graham Mertz probably going to Kentucky uh, as their quarterback. I, uh, I mean, good for Mertz, right? Getting an SEC school to sign in and, and get on board. I mean, the potential's there. If Kentucky believes they can fix Graham Mertz, God bless them, but... I assume that Mertz would be, you know, in the MAC or in in Amer the American Conference or something like that. I felt like that would have been more his speed. And now you're going to put this guy against SEC defenses when he was a turnover machine 
is an interesting uh, interesting combination. So good luck to him. But yeah, I want to touch on that before we went over to the Bucks. All right, now Bucks time. So Milwaukee Bucks beat the Sacramento Kings last night, 126 to 113. It's a really good win for Milwaukee. Uh, you know, Sacramento has been the young Frisky, one of the headline teams of the season so far. Uh, they're trying to make the playoffs, I think, for the first time in 16 years. Uh, it's been a big year for playoff uh, curses broken. Uh, the Kings are way behind everybody else. And it's crazy the Kings have been this bad, but it finally seems like they figured everything out even though they traded Therese Halliburton, which looks like, it, it doesn't look that bad because of DeMontis Sabonis, right? DeMontis Sabonis has been great. You could argue borderline all-star this year, but that that's still one that, that has to stick with you. Like, why didn't you trade De'Aaron Fox and let it be Halliburton? I don't know. I, will, I probably will never know, honestly. I think that's one that's hard to, hard to bend your brain on, but at the same time, the Kings are good. So you can't, you know, you kind of can't deny that. And they hung around with the Bucks. I will say that the referees, you know, made this thing a lot closer in the third quarter than it needed to be. The Bucks were on the verge of delivering a knockout punch, and the refs kind of mucked it up and made this game close by the third, the fourth quarter. It was 83-80 heading into that that fourth quarter, and then the Bucks pulled away. They have a 29-19 advantage in the fourth. The Bucks defensively were really good in that in that quarter. And they win the game 126 to 113. And just very impressive all around, right? They scored all over 100, 120 points. They only had seven turnovers. They shot 47% from the field, 42% from three. They made 83% of their free throws. This is really what it look, the Bucks offense looks like. I wouldn't want to say full strength. But this is what it can be on a night in, night out basis and what makes it so hard to beat the Bucs. Because if you look also on the other side of the coin defensively, they were really solid there as well. Yeah, they allowed a lot of in interior shots for the Kings, but the Kings only shot 31% from, from the field on three-pointers. They did, they did shoot 93% from the free throw line. You can't control that. Kings didn't also have a lot of turnovers either, but they prevented you know offensive rebounds from happening. That was a massive advantage for Milwaukee. I don't usually look at total rebounding stats, but the Bucks were out-rebounded the Kings by over 10, and a lot of that came from offensive rebounds, which they grabbed seven of. Brooke Lopez had six himself. So I look at this and I say, all right, this is what the Bucks can be, you know, all the time. And it's hard to do that, right? You just, you have tired legs. Sometimes shit's not working right. Uh, you know, some guy has an off night. It's never always going to be this way, but to know it can be this good is exciting. And it adds, it adds an element. And I think, it, I think we always knew this, but this is the next generation, the next version of the box with Chris Middleton back. And I know Middleton didn't have that great of a game. He had 14 points, but still the presence alone helps, right? The shot distribution helps. Middleton taking 11 shots over Javon Carter taking 11 shots. There's a difference there. Um, and I think that's, that's what you see with this and what gets you excited. And then the fact that they're going to evolve into something else with Joe Ingles, whether it's at the end of this month or in January, I think that's I think that adds another element of excitement. But yes, Kings play an interesting brand of basketball where they they slow everything down, they kind of disrupt transition, things like that. And the Bucks could have easily played that game, and they didn't. They didn't allow that to happen in the fourth quarter. They played their game and won this basketball game. And 
that's what good teams do. You put away teams that are inferior to you. And that's not a diss at the Kings. It's just the Bucks are on another level. And I think that's uh, something you have to focus on. And you have to recognize that those are these are wins you need to have. And when you're competing night in, night out with Boston, you know, all these wins matter. And you can't kind of let things slip away. They have very limited home games this month. So to win those is also important. But yeah, great win. For Milwaukee before heading back out on the road, which sucks and it's just annoying. And I talked a little bit about it. Forget if it was yesterday or the day prior, where it's like, you're telling me that we couldn't have been in Dallas uh, tonight or last night and then in Houston the next night or something like that and done it a little bit differently than having to do one home game and then back out to Texas uh, for Dallas and Houston Friday and Sunday. It just seems a little bit off to me. But I'm not the schedule maker. As for Golden Kegs, we've done this sporadically. Probably need to do it more um, where we look at who played the best and who played the worst. We just go one to three. Three being the best, one being the worst. Um, but yeah, we'll try to try to do more of this. Um, sometimes with Buck's schedule, it, it doesn't allow for it. Sometimes we have other things happening. Um, but yeah, we'll try to be a little bit better when we are recapping Bucks games. So three kegs, Giannis Antetokounmpo, no question about it. 35 points, seven, seven assists, six rebounds. I made two threes. He also did 35 points in 33 minutes. Extremely efficient basketball game from Giannis. Uh, the Kings have zero answer for Giannis inside. Uh, that is one of those teams that you look at it and you're like, who the hell will guard Giannis? Because they have a very small start, starting lineup, like Sabonis, We've know we know cannot guard Giannis. We've seen we saw that when he was in Indiana. Harrison Barnes too small. Uh, Keegan Murray, young guy, also a little too small to guard Giannis. Matu, uh, who was in the game sporadically, again can't really guard Giannis. He only really played ten minutes. Trey Lyles, Alex Ladd, noted asshole, only got a minute in this game. But yeah, there, there's nobody on that team who can guard Giannis Antetokounmpo. It showed, especially in the fourth quarter uh, with Giannis sort of coming through with the big one. I thought also a major moment in this game was Giannis picked up this fifth foul early in the this, the fourth quarter before the Bucks had kind of pulled away and they reversed the call and, and had it on somebody else. I forget if it was Middleton or Holiday. Not Holiday, I didn't have a foul. Maybe it was Grayson Allen. Whatever it may be, they, they didn't give the foul on Giannis and that was massive because had Giannis got the fifth, he would have been off the court and he would have needed somebody else to pick up. 2K goes to Drew Holiday. Drew had 31. Uh, it was in three quarters too. Uh, he didn't score in the fourth quarter, which is kind of a bummer, right? You would like to see Drew, you know, kind of compete with Giannis or maybe even get more points than Giannis. But Drew definitely led the offensive charge to the first three quarters. Uh, he added six assists and five rebounds as well. Um, yeah, the shot, he had 23 shot attempts, so not as efficient as Antetokounmpo, but still an awesome performance for Holiday. Uh, getting him hot would be great, and having sort of a good stretch of Drew Holiday offensive basketball is always a welcome sight. Um, we kind of saw what that did in mid-November when Holiday kind of went on his heater. That would be great. This is his second game in his last three that he scored 25 or more points. He had 28 in the game against the Lakers. I uh, was really good in that Lakers game as well. Played a ton of minutes. I didn't realize he played 39 minutes in that Lakers game. But yeah, 28 and 9 in that Lakers game. So, and nearly a triple-double in Orlando. Like, he didn't... He didn't necessarily score as much. He had 17, but he, he nearly had a triple-double in that game with 17, 10, and 8. So it's been a really nice stretch for Holiday. Hopefully he can keep it up. I mean, they're... 
tomorrow, Dallas is going to be tough for him because it's going to be just one of those where we need more Drew Holiday offense, or defensively with Luka, um, and you're probably not going to get the same amount of offensive production. I think that gets lost with a lot of Bucks fans. Um, that's like one of those how to tell if you're a casual or not. Is like, all right, is Drew playing a really hard, hard guy offensively? Yes. All right, then we can't expect him to have this awesome offensive output because he's exerting so much defensively. Like, I think that was one of the most helpful things that I ever got from PJ Tucker was when PJ Tucker talked about not scoring in the Brooklyn game. He's like, I'm exerting all of my energy uh, to guard Kevin Durant. And that's like my sole focus. It's what I needed to do. I really couldn't be an offensive threat because all I was doing was putting all my energy into defense. And I think that's stuff that you get from Holiday too. And I think sometimes fans lose sight of that. So not going to expect much from Holiday against Dallas, but it uh, should be a fun one uh, against him and Luca. One keg I will give to the Carter-Hill relationship. So my guy Eric brought this up, one of my buddies who I, I follow on Twitter, and he's a Bucks Twitter mind, I would say, um, and, and other, other sports. But he mentioned how Bud has to kind of cut it out with the Hill minutes, and I, I almost responded to it, and I didn't. I was like, ah, you know, I don't know. But then I'm looking at the box score and everything like that, and yeah, man, I don't, I don't know. Um, you know, George Hill gets 14 minutes. Tr- tr- uh, Javon Carter gets 19. Uh, I, I just, I kind of kind of feel like we need to figure out what what's the role of each guy. And I, I do think it's early, right? Like we are a week, not even a week from Chris Middleton being back, right? I think we need to suss that out a little bit more. We need to see what this team looks like when Middleton is full go and playing more minutes, right? He only played 29 minutes last, last night. Like, I think we need to see it once Middleton's fully back. Like, what does that look like, right? You know, when Middleton is at Antetokounmpo's level where it's 33 minutes or Holiday's level where it's 34 minutes, you know, are those four minutes being taken away from George Hill? Are those four minutes being taken away from Javon Carter? Or are those minutes split evenly? And are we in a competition? I would argue that if you're like, who had the better game last night? They were pretty identical, right? Both one of four from the field, uh, one of two from three for Carter, one of three for Hill. But Carter added five rebounds, including three offensive boards, and he added four assists. Uh, Hill himself had three assists, to be fair. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, I do wonder, you know, what what that sort of breakdown is. And if we're really going to do this again, where Bud is going to rely on the veteran Hill to be sort of that backup point guard. And I, I also wonder... Would John Horst just be like, we are getting rid of George Hill because <laughs> we're not fucking doing this again. Um, so I'll be curious to see what what kind of transpires there. But yeah, the, the Hill and Carter minute distribution is a little bit frustrating at this point. But yeah, we'll, it, we'll see. But yeah, all in all, good night for the Bucs. Uh, like, like I said, they get ready for Dallas on Friday, 9 p.m. start. I love that. It's going to snow all day on, on Friday. So we, you know, after you come in from plowing the snow, you get Bucks, Bucks Mavs, 9 p.m. game. I don't really like watching the Mavs. I don't really like watching Luca. a hot take. A captain's going to kill me uh, for that comment. I just, I don't know, man. He whines too much. Like, if he didn't whine so much, I'd, I'd enjoy it a lot more. But he just, he's like a soccer player out there. And so, yes, Bucks Mavericks. Uh, it should be a rocking crowd being at 9 p.m. start time. Uh, Mavericks have been awesome at home. So that will not be an easy one for our Bucks on Friday night. We'll see if they can get it done. 
All right, let's move on to Chuck's Corner. We haven't done Chuck's Corner in a while. It's late, uh, but we'll we'll try to we'll try to do it here a little bit. Uh, so, had barbecue last night with a couple of my wife and I did, and it was great. Uh, double B's on Greenfield, seventy uh, fourth and Greenfield, and myself a nice rib and brisket platter. Uh, was enjoyable, and I I got to thinking about this Chuck's Corner topic like. If you took all the different like foods, so like barbecue, bar food, Chinese, Italian, you could go Thai, you go Indian, like how many consecutive days could you eat that as your dinner? And I started to think through like what would be what would be the top pick? And I almost did it as a tap list and I was like, you know what? It's better to just sort of, you know, talk about it as a whole. And I, so start with barbecue. I love barbecue. I always enjoy barbecue. I, I think there are a lot of ways you can do barbecue, right? You could have the chicken, you have the pulled chicken, you could have the sausage, you could have the uh, pulled pork. Uh, so there, there are endless options, I think, with burnt ends, for example. Like There are endless options that you could have with barbecue. That said, I don't think I could do more than like four days of barbecue for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's extremely salty, right? Like... You just get done with it and you're just like, oh man, I am a salt bomb. Like I'm going to go work out after this and I'll probably, my sweat, I won't even really sweat because all of it's just inside my pores right now with all the barbecue. Um, and then uh, the other thing is, yeah, it's, it's, I always eat a ton of it. Like I, that to me is like that in Chinese, which we'll talk about here after, like that is the thing that I can gorge on. Like I can eat so much barbecue. And so I think every time I see barbecue on the menu, like I always just go hammer time. Like we didn't get any appetizer. I was like, well, why not? Why not? Right? <laughs> I was like, let's, like, let's go. But uh, that's okay. I, it, was, it was for the better. It's a Wednesday night. Like I didn't need to, didn't need to bring out the big guns uh, a weekend, weekend eating on the weekday. As for Chinese I feel like I would, I could do Chinese like five days. I, I think I could go five straight days with eating Chinese. Like I really do. Um, I love it. Um, I think that if you would just say, all right, you're just getting a dinner portion a night, right? You're not going crazy on it. It's not your everyday Chinese meal. It's just your normal sort of approach. I think I definitely could. I think I would be, I don't know if that would be enough food. I wonder if you'd start out and you'd be like, all right, I just haven't general sal and rice and that's it and then the next night it's orange chicken and rice whatever and I, I almost get sick of the rice i wonder more and so you have to kind of twist it up like go low main things like that but i i don't think i could go further than five days like I, I really don't um i think that would be one where i would i would probably bow out something like thai or indian i think it'd be two day i just a couple things with thai and indian i like it i like both but I'm not as well versed on it. Like I love a peanut sauce. I think I could do a peanut sauce at least tw twice, um, which is I know basic bitch uh, with Thai. But I, I also Thai get spicy, and I, I while I appreciate spice, I like spice in my food. Uh, I can't handle it. Um, I have a great story about Loatian food. But that's another story for another time. Uh, but yeah, I I would I would definitely say that that is you know something that would get in my way. Um, and then for Indian, it's kind of the same thing. I, Indian might be a three-day thing, but I just am not as well-versed in Indian where I could be like, all right, yeah, I could eat that every day. You know, I think also, too, the time of the year matters. Like, if we're talking about this this week or next week if I did this challenge, um, it's a lot better than, say, middle of summer. Like, Indian is definitely a thing you eat 
right now. It's good comfort food. It's there. Bar food, I think, is only three days. Again, it's like the salt, the fries. It's just it's a little too much, right? I could do that for three days, and it'd be it, it would be a time where I'd be like, all right, you know what? I need something a little bit different. Now, Italian's a different story. Italian and Mexican are different stories, right? Those are ones, both of those where I'm like, okay, there are so many options. Italian, you can do red sauce, you can do white sauce, you could do, you know, a baked meal, you could do, you know, almost like a Sicilian steak. You, you know, there, there are so many different options with Italian and Mexican the same way. You can do tacos, you can do enchiladas, you can do tortas, you could do, you know, more of like a carne asada. Like there are a hundred different combinations. So I think for Italian and Mexican, like I think I could go, I think I'd go a little bit more Mexican. I'd say I'd push that to like seven or eight, maybe nine. Italian, I think like seven. The one thing that runs into me, and this is an old man thing, is I get a little heartburn with the red sauce. And so I, I think that at some point I'd be like, ugh, can't, can't keep doing that. Uh, pizza is its own category, I think. Like I can't put pizza with Italian. It is Italian, I know. But I, I would just put pizza separately. I think pizza would be like a four or five day where it's like, all right, you know, time to pull it back. All of this would be bad. Like, I'm not doing this. Don't don't try to bully me into it. Uh, it'd be awful for my, my weight and everything like that. Keep, that's just very unhealthy eating. But it just sparked a, a thought for me. So, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed that. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow tapping the keg uh, with Mitch and I. Tomorrow, I was just about to do like on Instagram or TikTok. But yeah, Mitch and I back tomorrow with Tabitha Keg. Uh, so that, that'll be good. We'll wrap up the week for you guys, get you ready for the weekend. Should be actually an uneventful weekend. We do have Bucks, we do have Marquette. I don't know if Wisconsin, I think Wisconsin plays Iowa on Sunday, actually, uh, basketball wise. So you, you have a few things going on besides the Packers bye week. Uh, but yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about that and a lot more. And hope you guys have a good Thursday. Get ready for the snow tomorrow. All right, take care of yourself. Have a good one. Bye.